Man, we're glad you're here. Would you pray with me today? God, we just thank you for an opportunity uh, to gather together as a church family. Today, in these next few moments that we share, we ask that you would speak to our hearts in a way that only God can. Uh, we just open our minds to you. God, there's so many people, so many of us, myself included, are facing situations that uh, we have a lot of questions about. So we just ask today, uh, because we know that you care about us, that you would give us answers to some of these questions that we're asking about today, that you meet us here in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. If you have your Bibles, let's look this morning in the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I'm going to read out of the NIV this morning. We'll start in verse 1. Uh, it says this, Now the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus to secretly kill him. So I want you to think about context this morning. This is prior to the crucifixion of Christ. It's kind of getting down to be the moment where he will be crucified. So they're scheming to secretly kill him. Uh, verse 2 says this, But not during the festival, they said, or people may, not, people may riot. So verse 3, While he was in Bethany, reclining at a table. Everybody say reclining at the table. Okay, so he's reclining at the table. The Bible says, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And so they re rebuked the woman harshly. Jesus then speaks up and says, uh, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will have with you always. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Verse 9 says this, Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Verse 10 says this, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, the one who goes on to betray Jesus, went to the chief chief priests to betray Jesus to them. Verse 11 says, they were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Uh, I can think back on my life uh, and being really young. I don't know if you remember witnessing your very first fight. Like, we watch fights on, for entertainment, like a lot of people, UFC and different things like this. But I remember being uh, a, a, in junior high and witnessing, like, my very first fight. Can you remember what that was like for you? And, and it was actually a close friend of mine. I've told this story before, and uh, so if you've heard it, just kind of indulge me this morning. But um, my, my, my friend, uh, his name was J.R. Danden, and it was funny because his, his full name was Jovencio, and then he didn't have a middle name, but he told everybody his name was J.R., and I was like, you can't say your name's J.R., your name's actually J because you don't have a middle name. So then he made up a middle name, Ryan, so that he could say J.R. It was just like one of these situations. And, and so anyway, so, he, so we, had this, we had this kind of like mutual friend named Jerry Dela Cruz. Now, for, never forget his name. If you know Jerry, tell him to give me a call. I haven't talked to him in years. And uh, so, so Jerry Dela Cruz had this girl that he was talking to, my buddy J.R., also like the same girl. So he's like, dude, I know that he's talking, talking to this girl. Do you think it would be okay if I talked to her? And I said, bro, if there's not a ring on it, right? You know what I mean? Like... Junior high, though, right? Like, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Some of you can learn from that today. And so, so he, he, he decides that he's going to go for it. So, so we end up ditching Jerry De La Cruz to go hang out with this guy's, like, you know, girlfriend or whatever. And Jerry De La Cruz catches wind of it. And so he's like, he wants to fight. So they, like, set this time. They're going to fight at recess. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I got your back because it's what best friends do. And, and it was going to be one. It was going to be just an incredible moment, you know. We're going to fight. We're going to we were going to we're going to do our thing and show that you know whose side of the playground we 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 ran, you know. And and uh, so we squared up. We squared up at, at recess, and um, th they get there, 
and, uh, and uh, Jerry De La Cruz walks up to my friend JR, and he, and he says, uh, I, hear you've been, I hear you've been hanging out with my girl. And, and JR should have, like, engaged him in, like, productive conversation, but he did the thing that nobody should ever do. He, he leans close, steps close, and he whispers in this man's ear, what you gonna do about it? Like, just like that. Oh, <laughs> it was game on, you know what I mean? And like he said, what you gonna do about it? And Jerry Dela Cruz, dude, he cranked back and boom! I mean, just, he just hits my friend. And I am, I am in shock. Like, I'm just like, what the heck is going on? You know, so, so my friend goes to swing back, but when he swings, bro, oh, dude, when he swings, he swings way too hard and he has his backpack still on. So when he swings really hard, his backpack comes flying over the top of his face. Oh, it was bad. And so he's just like swinging like this, swinging like this. And I, and I this, is my, this is my moment, you know, as the best friend. So I squirt, I do nothing. I panic. I am completely frozen. My mouth is just open like, uh. And all of a sudden, so, so the yard dude, he kind of figures out what's going on. He comes running out. He's like, who is fighting? Who is fighting? Everybody's like, not me, not me. He's like, show me your knuckles. So I like, show, of course, there's no blood on my knuckles, you know. So I show him my knuckles. He finds the two guys. So my, my buddy would get back into the nurse's office because he's having to get bandaged up. It was really, really bad. And, um, and he says, bro, where were you? And I said, dude, I am so sorry. I said, I, I panicked. There, 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 was so, there was so much pressure. And that was the only time I let a friend down like that bad. I, I learned from my lesson. But under pressure, man, I, I, I caved. I want to pose this question this morning because I think it's important that we consider because pressure is kind of a part of life. H- how do you handle pressure? Like, how do you deal with it in life? I think most of the problems that we face and situations that we're up against, the things that we wish were different, the things that can be heavy and burdensome, the things that you're most confused about, the things that you pray about, the things that you have a lot of questions for God about, it's all centered around this idea of, of, of pressure. And I'm not asking about how you perform under pressure. Because there's a lot of people that perform under pressure really, really well. I'm asking about when you're alone, how, how do you handle the, the pressures of life? I'm talking about financial instability. I'm talking about relational instability. I'm talking about physical instability. I'm talking about mental instability. How do you deal with the pressure of life? Because the reality is, if we're not intentional about how we're going to handle pressure, pressure will always take you to one specific place. And here's where it's going to take you. It's going to take you to panic. Pressure will always lead you to panic. And you know what, you know what panic is? Panic is uncontrollable. Here's the, here's the definition, definition of, of panic. Uncontrollable stress or anxiety causing wildly, uh, wildly unthinkable behavior. You, you, you're, you're not sane in your decision-making. And what's crazy about the, about the definition is it says that it's, that it's uncontrollable. You ever been in, in a position like that where the pressure is on and you just start thinking crazy, you start feeling stressed out, you start feeling anxious? Those are the moments in life when you send that text and you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, God, why did I send that text? Why did I comment on that? Why did I respond to that? Why did, why did I make those remarks that I made? I wasn't in my, my right mind. I was just, I was dealing with pressure. And the pressure led me to panic, and the panic caused me to engage in behaviors, treating people certain ways that, that man, I, I actually honestly have regret about how I, I treated them. So you see, pressure comes from, you know, instability in life. Pressure comes from different things that you'll face. But panic comes from, I think, something that's a little bit different and much more specific. I think that panic comes as a result of our fascination with time. What am I talking about? I think the real reason that I start to panic is because subconsciously, way down on the inside of me, I'm asking the question, will it ever change? Has anybody ever been there? I mean, will the situation ever change? Will the thing that I'm going through, and here's, here's the, real, the real fear I think that we have. Is it going to be like this forever? 
Like, will I ever get to a point in life where I'm not dealing with this relational trauma? Will I ever get to a point in life where I'm not dealing with these financial woes, these ups and downs? Man, it seems like every time I take two steps forward, I'm taking three steps, three steps back. And this fascination with time, you know, time is, is kind of a funny thing. Because it's one of those things, uh, you could probably relate with me. When, when you look back over the landscape of your life, you think, man, gosh, that happened so fast. I don't, I don't know how many parents and grandparents, people in, in the latter years of their life that come to me and say, oh, my gosh, like you've got to enjoy the journey because time just goes so, so fast. Yet when you're living it, doesn't it seem like an eternity? Parents that are raising young kids, you think to yourself, man, it sure feels as if this is going to last forever. And we don't like this feeling of, will it ever will it ever end? Is it going to be like this forever? So this is what we've done in our society, is we try to find a way, track with me this morning, we try to find a way to outsmart time. So, so this is why culturally, think about it, this is why culturally we have become expert planners. You ever realize and notice how like culturally relevant this is? Like you see the cute Instagram pictures of the girl with her planner, just out planning. We're going to plan about our future. We need to get together and talk about that. Let's, let's talk about something. We, we want to plan our future so that hopefully we can somehow manipulate this thing called time that is sending me into panic as a result of pressure. I, I think the challenge is in this quest to be planner so somehow we can predict the uncertainty and maybe get, get a, a harness on the uncertainty that our future brings, rather than planning for our future, here's what we start to do. And if, this is where you'll want to start taking notes this morning. Rather than plan for our future, here, here's the human tendency. We start living for our future. And many of you, this, of you in this room would think, okay, but, but what's wrong with that? Well, as long as I'm living for my future, I'm actually avoiding my present. I don't know if you realize how much we do this. Do you know how, how ingrained this is just into society? Think about the live for Friday mentality. Think about, oh, thank God it's Friday. Think about Wednesday, hump day, hump day, hump day. Like keep pushing, <laughs> right? Like keep pushing, keep enduring. You're only two days away so that you can have a good couple days so that you can endure five more. I think at some point, don't we have to, as a civilization, as a society, specifically as, as a church, don't we have to time out and ask myself, am I okay with that? Like, am I okay with this mentality that life is going to be endured for five days out of the week? Think about the fact that your life is a, somehow, some way you showed up here and you want to spend five out of your seven days in a week just trying to get to those two days so I can have a little bit of reprieve only to endure life for five more days. I don't think that that's a life worth living at all. I don't think that's the life that any of us really desire to have. I think it's a life that we settle for because we don't know how to handle pressure. When you read this story, Jesus is arguably at one of the most intense pressure moments of his life. I mean, he's, he's think about the trajectory. He, he spends 30 years, very common, very, very somewhat normal, uh, very natural, to have three years as he gets into ministry of experiencing the supernatural. And when I talk about supernatural, like I want you to think about this is like the climax of what you wish your life could be. Like everywhere he goes, people are screaming his name. Everywhere he goes, people who are blind, think about it, people that are blind are receiving their sight. He's raising dead people from the dead and, he, and, they're, and they're coming back to life. But all of a sudden he is having this moment where he is reminded about why it was he was sent to earth in the first place. 
Because the reason that Christ was sent to earth was not just to preach and to teach and to heal. The purpose of God sending his son to the earth was that he ultimately would be crucified, taking on the sins of all of humanity so that we could connect with God again, not based upon our performance, our good deeds, or our works, but based upon his blameless, perfect sacrifice. Jesus is coming off of this high of everybody knows his name, and it's about to get real. It's kind of like one of those moments you ever been on vacation, and you start, you start thinking that you're rich on vacation, just swipe, charge that credit card. Anybody ever been there? You know, I get like that on a cruise sometimes. Just like, oh, just charge it. We'll figure it out later. You know what I mean? And then you get home and you're like, oh, God, what did I do? You know what I mean? You spend the next 10 years trying, like reality sets in. It's one of these reality sinking in moments. This is when, this is when I think if Jesus has a right to be frustrated, if Jesus has a right to be irritable, if Jesus has a right to be really, really serious, if he has a right, guys, I'm about to be coming about to die. I'm about to be crucified. Like, this is really, really serious. I don't want to talk to anybody. I need my space. I need my distance. I need, I need to find clarity. Isn't this what we do when we're under pressure? Yet when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus begins to introduce this principle that is greater even than, think about it. The Bible says that he's reclining at a table. He's just, he's about to be crucified, and here he is just, just chilling. And this isn't the first time. It's, it's, it's become like this in the life. In fact, if you read just a few days before, Jesus begins to institute this principle of how to handle pressure. In fact, a few days before, he has this friend named Lazarus who's on his deathbed. You guys know the story, right? He's on his deathbed about to die. They say, Jesus, come. And rather than Jesus rushing to the bedside of his friend whom he loves, who is dying, the Bible says, oh, he just chills a couple days where he was at. He, he just decides, you know, I'll, I'll get there. I'll go and help Lazarus out. But, but rather than rush into this situation in this pressure cooker moment, I'm just going to go ahead and stay a few days where I'm at. Here's the principle I think Jesus is unveiling. The, the, the greater the pressure, the greater the pause. The, the, the greater the pressure, when I feel like the pressure is on, when I feel like I need, need to move faster, when I feel this sense of urgency that it needs to happen now, 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 when I try to, when I begin to change my mood and the way that I treat people and the way that I observe the world, in those moments when the pressure is on, the greater the pressure, the greater the pause. The, when life wants to make me move fast, those are the moments that I got to choose to, choose to, to, to slow to slow, to slow, to slow, to slow, to slow down. And it's funny because as Jesus is practicing this slow down principle, reclining at the table, we see a story unfold. And this woman comes out of nowhere and she kind of like, she comes out of nowhere and she breaks open this jar of perfume of oil and she starts just to pour it on Jesus's head. Now, I can relate most in this story probably to the bystanders, the disciples in this room that start getting frustrated and upset and irritated, right? Because I'm thinking, I don't handle pressure the way that I always need to handle pressure. So I'm like the other guys in the room. So I want you to picture this. Jesus is reclining, about to be crucified. Here comes this woman pouring perfume in his hair. I'm thinking, okay, you're about to, we're doing an aromatherapy session right now. This is not, this is not, this is not the time. And here Jesus is just, just let, just rub that perfume in, in, in my hair. And I'm apparently in the room because I sound exactly like this guy. Here, I, I want to talk you through some signs in life that maybe it's time for a pause. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of pressure in your life and maybe it's time to slow down. Here's some signs that it's time to slow down. Time signs that it's time to slow down. Number one, it, you may need to slow down if you find yourself becoming familiar. I'm going to explain it. If you find yourself becoming familiar, the girl comes and pours 
perfume in his hair, and Nick, the disciple in the room, shouts out, wait, 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 don't, don't, don't wait, don't waste that. Don't, 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 don't waste it. Excuse, wait, what? Jesus is, hold on, don't, why are you, why are you, don't, 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 don't waste it. I want you to think about the context of this comment, comment. familiar, don't, don't waste it. Do, do you know who you're, who you're talking to? Something about pressure that will cause you to become familiar with those around you. Things that you used to treat as uncommon, you start to treat. Do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to somebody who took you off the streets when you were a nobody, who made you a somebody. You're talking about the Son of God in the flesh who has spent year after year after year when people wanted all that they could have from him. He gave them even more. You're talking about people who took their blind eyes and gave them sight and never asked for a dime. And you want to talk about waste? Don't waste it. Could you waste anything on this type of man? But there is something about pressure. If you don't learn to slow down, it will cause you to become familiar and treat things that you used to treat as uncommon as common. What am I talking? I'm talking about people. You stop seeing people. You stop seeing. You're talking to Jesus, bro. Like you're talking to the person who's about to be crucified for your sins. And you want to talk about don't waste the oil. Don't wait, don't waste the perfume. It's just the same old job. It's just the same old routine. It's just the same old people. But at one time, you saw potential in that same old job. At one time, you saw potential in that same old routine. At one time, you saw potential in those people. But there is something about pressure in life that will cause you to be familiar. And when you become familiar, man, you start treating people really, really bad. (laughs) When you're in the pressure cooker of life, and you become familiar, you start saying things that you don't mean. This last week I had a conversation with somebody, and they, they came to me, and they, were, and they were, were having this conversation, and they were, they were so wounded and hurt by something that I had said to them. I said, well, let's talk about it. I, I don't even know what, what is it that I said, what is it that I did? And they began to tell me what I said. And I began to think, wow, I, I, don't even, I honestly don't even remember saying that to you, but if I'm honest with you, I remember that time. And you know what I remember about that time? I was under a lot of pressure. And when you find yourself in a lot of pressure, you always become familiar. And when you become familiar, you become critical. Critical of your church, critical of the people around you, critical of your president, critical of your society, critical of your kids, critical of your family members. You become critical because you become familiar. You forget who it is that you're talking to. And I think many of us in this room, I think we forget that the only reason that we have a voice is because he gave us one. It's like, the only reason anybody cares about your opinion, the only reason you're in this room is because you're a disciple, man. Sometimes we think, we, we get a little bit cocky, don't we? And we think, that the, actually, the only reason people care about what you say is because you're more influential than other people and because you have a business and because you're the leader of the family and you have more social media followers. Sometimes it's really not you. And I think in life, you have to learn if you are experiencing, if you are finding yourself being familiar, it might be time for a pause. Might be time for a pause. Another, t- another, another reason I think we see in the story, when you find yourself familiar, here, here's another one. It might be time for a pause. It might be time to slow down if you find yourself, taking notes, write this down. If you find yourself fixated on finances. Fi- fixated on finances. He, do- he doesn't say, don't, you, don't waste that, he continues. Do- don't you know how much that costs? Don't you know how much that costs? Find your, you, you might need to slow down if you find yourself fixated on finance. What I'm talking about. Obsessed with this idea, idea of sustainability. 
How am I going to make it? How are we going to make it? How are we ever going to survive? How are we ever going to make sure that we have enough in our future? And I think it's so fascinating that all of us want to act like we know what our future holds when we don't even know how we showed up here in the first place. Why is this pause? Because this, this pause thing is a trust thing. And the second you become so fixated on finances is the second you stop trusting in someone who is bigger than you to be your provider. Don't, don't you know how much this costs obsessed with sustainability? And most of us, you'll, and how do I know? What I'm talking, it might be time to slow down if you find yourself fixated on, on, on finances, obsessed with this idea of sustainability, and you'll hear it in your language. People like this are always talking, don't you know, uh, how much, that's a lot of money. We'll never be able to afford that. We'll never be able to, to, pay, to pay for that. Did you see what they're driving? I wonder how much money that set them back. I wonder how much, how, how are they paying for all that? It's, just, it's an obsession. It might be time to slow down if you find yourself fixated on finances. The person, don't you know how much that costs? And it's funny because when you find yourself fixated on finances, none of us really want to take a look at our own personal responsibility and contribution. We want to talk about others, right? Don't you know how much it costs? Like, bro, it's her perfume. Leave her alone. You know what I mean? It ain't your money. <laughs> That's not your money. It's her money. Oh, but don't we do this? Oh, I can't. I, I'll, I'll just do a little confession time this morning. I do this so much with my wife. Oh, it'll be a time like we got to stay on a budget and we got to really tighten things up. But if I want to spend a little money on the side because it makes sense to me and I, you know, as the head of the home, I understand what's going on. And, but God forbid if she ever buys some shoes on sale at Target, right? Then we're going to have, we're going to have a, a come to Jesus meeting. Come, babe, did you need these? You think you need these? I saw 12 pairs of shoes in the closet this morning. I don't know that you really need these. I got to stop telling these stories because she, she starts using them against me. You know, she's like, you even told all the people in front of church. I'm like, listen, you're supposed to be in a side room eating snacks, not listening to me preach. <laughs> because, you, because you know, after, after I say that, then, and here's the thing. Here's, here's another, this is just like a little bonus point. We always have a tendency to make it spiritual too. Like you'll, if you, you know you need a pause and you need to slow down when you're just like over-spiritualizing everything. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you haven't been to church in 10 weeks and now you want to talk about God's been saying to you, and right? Because God, God only knows. When my wife buys those shoes on sale at Target, she's not just going to get a talking to about, hey, did you need these? She's going she's gonna to get a church lesson. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say unto her, we have to be good stewards of the resources that God has blessed us with, Right? <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You you got to be good stewards. It's 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 spirit it's spiritual, but really it's not. It's 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 it looks like it is, but really it's 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 a fear-based mentality because I am obsessed with sustainability. I actually don't know the condition of what I'm really dealing with. I'm just afraid that maybe we won't have enough. This is what these guys are, are they, they even spiritualize it. You could have get, you could have sold, you know how much money, that's a year's worth. You could have sold that and given it to the poor. And it's almost like you want to say, oh, Jesus, he got you there, right? Like, we could have sold that and given that to the poor. It's funny because I, I think there's this principle. They're trying to forecast and get people to understand what God's will is at the same time missing what God's will is. God would certainly want you to sell it and give it to the poor. Okay, God is in the room with you. And he says, go ahead and pour it on his hair. It's, it's this concept, and, and here's just kind of a side point. I think the greatest thing that will keep you from living in God's perfect will is believing the lie that you're already not. 
let that sink in. I think the greatest thing that will keep you from being in God's perfect will, I think the thing that will keep you from being exactly where you need to be in life is believing the lie that you're not. Because certainly God would want it to look like that. Certainly God would want to do this. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right here. I'm right here. Slow, slow down. I'm about to be crucified. I'm in the, <laughs> the one who has, probably has the most right to be frustrated and irritable and irritated with everybody. He's trying to calm all those, everybody else down. Think about this. I'm, I'm right here. What is he saying? Choose the pause over panic. When you experience pressure in life, rather than allowing yourself go into panic mode, which is stress and anxiety, thinking crazy, choose to, choose to pause. I think the hard part is how do, how do I pause? How do I slow down when life, the speed of life, everything in our culture is pushing us? To move faster, be faster, don't miss your opportunity, don't miss your shot. Make sure you stay in the run, make sure you stay at the front of the line. And, and yet, here's Jesus, pause, pause, pause. The greater the pressure, the greater the pause. Choose pause over panic. How? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, I choose the pause by, number one, be present. Be, be where? Be, be here. Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always, but me, you won't always have me. I think what Jesus is saying is this opening country song that we all, you're, you, I know you don't believe me now, but you're going to miss this. You're going to miss this moment where we were sitting together reclining, and man, man, we knew some tough things were coming, but we chose to be in the moment. How do I pause? I fight to be present. My buddy Ricky taught me, one of his great mentors uh, told him this principle, be where your feet are. It's so easy in our society be, to be caught up in technology and be in other things and have our minds be elsewhere, thinking about the future, thinking about what we have to do. And I think a lot of times our future would be better if we would choose to be in the present. Do you realize that your future is only a result of what you did with today? This is why most of us have great plans for the future. The problem is not our plan. The problem is we don't do anything with today to actually execute our plan. If you want to maximize your future, maximize your present. If you want to maximize, think about this. Think about it. Think, like, think about it. If you, want to, if you really want some great future, then the only way that I get a good future is by doing my very best with today, being in the moment, being here and now, being present. When? Isn't it interesting? I, just side note. He's reclining at a table. Like if I'm going to recline anywhere, probably not reclining at the table. Give me a couch to lay on. Give me a bread, a bed just to sprawl out on. He's reclining at a table. He's, re he's, 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 rec he's, he's resting. He's pausing at a place that doesn't make sense. What am I talking about? Sometimes in our life, we're comfortable with slowing down as it pertains to certain things in our life, but not as it pertains to other things. 
Slow down as it pertains to work. Slow down as it pertains to your, whatever your it thing is, whatever your place that is in, whatever your place, it doesn't make sense that I would slow down there. Slow down in that place. He's reclined at a table. You know, he's, I think it's interesting because he's slowing down at a place that doesn't make sense. And at the same time, slowing down at a time that doesn't make sense. Because I think most of us in this room, if I could ever come to terms, okay, maybe I need to be a little bit more, I need to bring it back a little bit. I need, I need to pause as it pertains to work. I think most of us would say, but dear God, I can't do that right now. <laughs> this right now is not the time for me. And yet at the most inconvenient place and at the most inconvenient time, he chooses to pause by what? By being present, being in the moment, be, being here. How do I pause? I got to be present. Here's, here's, the second thing, be present. Number two, be persistent. Be, be persistent. He says about this woman, leave her alone. She's done what she can. She, she, she did what she could. What, what is be persistent? As I'm in this moment, I'm not just sitting around and being lazy and vegging out. Okay, God, just whatever you want to do. No, I'm doing what I can today. I think a lot of times, though, we don't do what we can because we can't do what we want to do. What, it, what is it? It's this fixation on the future. Rather than, but I, what we really need to be is over here. But you're not there yet, bro. You're not there yet in your relationships. You're not there as it pertains to your, you don't have everything that you need. But you can do what you can today. You can do, you can do the things that you can do today. And don't allow, don't allow, this is the whole thing for this, this, even with this woman. Don't allow your fear from tomorrow your fear for tomorrow to keep you from maximizing and doing the things that you can today. A lot of times we would, if I'm thinking that's the only perfume I get, I need to save that for a rainy day. Like I, there's no, I don't know what's coming. And this is the beautiful thing about this. It's an opportunity to trust God when you don't know what's coming. It's an opportunity to, to show that I'm, tr I'm, I don't just talk like I'm a believer. I'm an actual believer. I trust God with my future. And when he calls me to give something today, I'm not fearful about tomorrow. I'm doing what I can today. And if I do what I can today, I just have the courage to believe that God will take care of me tomorrow. Think about it. There's a passage of scripture that says the birds, the birds of the air, they fly around. And who feeds the birds? God takes care of them. Who takes care of the flowers of the field? Have you ever looked at how beautiful a flower could be? And nope, and these wild flowers. If God takes care of something that is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will God take care of you? How much more will God be faithful to you and faithful to your family despite what you encounter? If you will what? If you'll slow down. When I feel the pressure, I gotta choose, I gotta choose, I gotta choose to pause, to, to be present, to be, to be persistent. And when I choose to do this, I think the most incredible thing happens. Things that would have been forgettable in your life become memorable. What am, what am I, these moments in life, you, think about last week. How many memorable moments did you have last week? Parent, how many memorable moments did you have with your kids? How many memorable moments with your spouse or at work did you have? If I'm honest in my life, there's not a whole lot of memorable, wow, what a memorable moment. And yet there is this principle in this story. Jesus says, because of what this woman has done, anywhere the gospel is preached, she will be remembered. When I choose to slow down in my life, all of a sudden things that I would have overlooked, 
I actually start to see and I actually start having these moments that, wow, look what the Lord has done even in the mundane, even in the simple, even in the things that seem like nothing, like no big deal. I start to realize, wow, there was, there was more happening in that room reclining at the table than I thought. Why would you put that in the Bible? Jesus reclining at a table because when the pressure is on, the greater the pressure, you know what's required of you. If you're going to handle pressure right, it's not going to lead you to panic. It's going to require the greater, the greater the pause. What is the pause? The trust to say, even when I feel like I'm in the pressure cooker, I'm not going to try to make things happen on my own. I'm going to choose to anchor my feet and anchor my heart and what I believe. The God who has started a good work in me, he will finish it. He will complete it. He didn't bring me this far to lead me. He who is faithful will continue to be faithful. It's funny because science confirms this idea about memories. In fact, your strongest memories that give you uh, inspiration for the future, they actually weren't fun when you were living them. What what am I talking about? The thing, (laughs) recently, a couple years ago, my family were on a houseboat trip on Lake Powell, and the, the storm came out of nowhere, and panic, pressure, panic. Like, we're trying to get the boat to shore, one of the ropes from one of the boats that was, was uh, kind of like tethered to, the, to, to our overall houseboat gets caught up in the, in the prop. So we have this boat up against the shore, and, uh, and I'm, I have to go under the water. They give me a knife, and I'm like, I mean, it's like intense. It's like storming, and there's, there's like thunder and lightning, and I'm under there, and I'm trying to, to saw this rope to get this propeller free. Coming up, <gasps> gas of air going back. If you would have asked me in that moment, you having a good time? I said, you you crazy? Like, like, but yet it's funny. As years have gone by, we think back and we say, do you remember how, how much fun? Oh, my gosh. Do you remember that store, how much fun that was? That was a fun? But, it give it, but, but it's those moments, those relationships, those things that would have been forgotten that all of a sudden become fuel for the future. I think, what am I saying today to some of you? You got to hear me. You're going to miss this. You're going to miss this moment. You're going, to mi- you're going to miss your kids being this young. I know you're going through some financial stuff, and I know you're backseat, and you think, Nick, you're crazy. But in the middle of that storm, I thought everybody was crazy too. I'm telling you today, when you're experiencing pressure in your life, the greatest enemy to you being God's perfect will is believing that you're not. What if he was with you? What if he was inviting you to come rest with him? Hey, I know it's intense, but just, let's just be here together today. I know you're overwhelmed. Let's just be here. Let's just be together today. I, I know that it's dark. I know you don't understand your relationship with your kids, and I know you don't understand why you're being sued, and I know you don't understand why you're going through relational turmoil again. You thought that you were better than this, but yet here you are. Why don't you just, why don't you just rest? Because when I rest, I have to trust in something bigger than me. And maybe... Maybe that's where God is at. So that what? So that you can get clarity that you don't have. So that you don't do something stupid. It's funny because in the same moment, in fact, another, uh, another book of the Bible says that the guy that spoke up was actually Judas, the person who's about to. So imagine the pressure cooker that Judas is in. Like he has this, you ever, you, ever, you ever known you shouldn't do something, but like you just wanted it so bad on the inside. I know I shouldn't do this, but I want it so bad. That pressure, that pressure feeling of am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? Am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? Am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? This is where Judas is at. And it's almost like this last chance moment for Judas, like just figuratively speaking. Think about this. Like, hey, pressure, 
I know you want to lead you to panic to get your hands in the middle and just do things. You're going to regret it. You're going you're to regret it. So why don't we just, hey, Judas, hey, why don't we just, let's just recline for a little bit. You want some perfume? We got, let's just, let's just be, let's just be here now together. And, but the Bible says that the devil had already entered Judas. And I, I think sometimes the devil enters us. And I think he enters us in, in this name called pressure that leads us to panic. That causes us to have anxiety and stress. That causes us to think wildly like we wouldn't think if we were in our own right mind, if we were resting, if we were trusting. And I think in life we have to learn to champion each other in seasons of pause. What am I talking about? Instead of shaming, what are you doing with your life? What are you sitting around doing? Sometimes, sometimes people have been at war for so long, they got to come back and they need to get their wounds bound up and they need some time where they can just sit and they can relax and they can find clarity and they can trust God. I think, this, I think sometimes in your life, I felt this, sometimes in your life when you don't have as much to do as you used to have to do, you can start feeling like your life is meaningless. And I think sometimes God has you there for a reason. And I think the times in life when you're feeling the pressure and you're clawing and you're scratching and you don't know what's working, everything you do doesn't seem to be working, those are the times. Hey, slow down. Hey, pause. But, but, but what's gonna get, nothing's gonna get, nothing's gonna get, nothing's gonna get, get, get done. You think, you really, you really think that you have made it this far on your own. What am I saying? I'm gonna wrap up with this. I just believe I don't want you to miss this moment. Again, yesterday, I'm sitting there talking to this woman. She's in her, I don't know, mid to upper 70s. And we're, how's the family? How's the kids? I said, good. You know, they keep us on our toes. She said, oh, Nick. And it's funny, we don't learn from one another. Like, we just, we hear this stuff. I could recite it all day long, but to, like, take it to heart. She said, oh, Nick. She said, I remember raising my kids, thinking to myself, man, I wish these guys would just grow up and be teenagers. And she almost got teary-eyed. She said, but when they become teenagers, you think to yourself, man, where did the time go? I know it may be dark, I know it may be heavy, I know you may not understand, but I think, I think you're gonna miss this. I think you're gonna look back on these times even as they're difficult, and right now you would do anything to get out of this moment. But I think it's gonna be like it was for me in the storm with the boat. You think, man, look what the Lord has done. Look at those moments that were actually some of the best years of my life if I would have enjoyed the people around me. If I would have enjoyed the moment, if I would have enjoyed my church family, if I would have joined my community, if I would have enjoyed my spouse, if I would have enjoyed my kids, if I would have enjoyed the problem solving of building a business, instead of seeing everything as some grandiose problem that is overwhelming, why not see it as an opportunity for God to be able to work mightily through you? You hear what I'm saying? You're going to miss this. You're going to walk this path. You're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast these are some good times can you take a good look around you may not know this now i said you may not know this now but you're gonna miss this i think in life sometimes it pass you by so fast, so fast, so fast, so fast, so fast, so fast. Can you close your eyes with me all across this room? All, all across, I think today is just a slowdown day. Who's dealing with pressure in this place? Who's dealing with pressure in this place? If the one that we look to in the greatest pressure moments of his life, the greater the pressure, the greater the pause. 
The greater the pressure, the greater the possible. I don't miss it. God, don't let me miss what you're doing trying to tell everybody where you're at. If you just sell it, we can give it to the poor. That's working on. I'm right here, and I'm reclined at your table. I'm with you in the storm. When you cry, I cry. When you hurt, I hurt. We're going through it together, and it's not going to end like this. This is not the end of your story. But don't put trust in yourself. That's what panic is. Panic is trust in me. Panic is trust in me. The reason I panic, the reason I panic is because I'm the one that has to fix it. The reason I can pause is because I acknowledge that there is somebody bigger than me driving the ship. Do you hear me today? The reason I can pause is because I have acknowledged that there is somebody bigger than me driving the ship. And if God, you don't do it, nobody's going to do it because I've come to the end of me. And it is no longer my work and my effort. And I'm not going to spend my life spinning my wheels living for tomorrow when you have given me today. It's the only thing you have. It's the only thing you have. Hear me today with your eyes closed. It's the only thing you have. You'll never get back. You can get the money back. You can work to rebuild your reputation. But the one thing that none of us ever get back is time. It's, it's, it's today. You can't get it back. It's here and it's gone. I'm done wasting days, man. I'm done wasting days. I'm done, I'm done wasting days. I'm done missing out on my family. I'm done missing out on the things that God has called me to because I'm living in the future. Here. Now. God, would you help us in this place to be more present? God, would you help us in this place to be more persistent? Would you help us to see that these these are some of the best days of our life. God, would you help us to see it? Would you help us to feel it? Would you help us to recline times that just doesn't seem right? To remember, to remember your perspective. Come on, one time here. You're going to miss this. You're going to walk this back. You're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast. These are some good times. Can you take a good look around? You may not know this now, but you're gonna miss this. Oh, yeah. Oh, we take a good look God, would you help us to have perspective today? That it would echo in our ears as we leave and the pressure is on. Slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. But you're about to be crucified. It's about, this is, this is, no, it's right here at the table. 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 Right here. But I got things to do here, right here. Cancel them. Be present. Slow down. I find myself familiar, when I find myself fascinated, fixated, obsessed with sustainability, how are we going to make it? 
going to make it by slowing down and trusting in God. It's either you or it's him, but it can't be both. What am I saying? Either you're your provider or he's your provider, but it's not both. With your eyes closed, hear that. This, God doesn't work. The, it's not you. It, it's, not, it's, it's either you're the provider or he's the provider. He'll work in tandem with you. He, he'll use the labor of your hands, but it's either you or it's him. And I don't know about you, but I choose him. I choose him. God, we choose you to be the provider. So God, we choose to slow down. It, it, our trust is reflected in our actions. Someone needs to hear that today. You're, you can say you trust him all day long, but your trust is reflected in your actions. So when, when you're up all night and your stomach's in knots, that's not trust. That's panic. It's panic. It's not pause. When you're plagued with anxiety and fear, you're thinking crazy, that's not, that's not trust. That's panic. God, would you help us to be present, to do what we can today, to be persistent by the help of the Holy Spirit. If you're in this place, you never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm not going to try to talk you into it. I believe if you're ready to make that decision, your heart compels you to do so. The reason we can slow down is because we have trust in somebody who's bigger than us. Otherwise, we can't. If you'd like to make that decision today, would you pray this prayer with me? The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you say it out loud? Say, say it with me as a church family. Say, say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart. I say out of my mouth, you're the son of God. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior. And I make you my Lord. Say this. Say, Jesus, help me to live the life you made me to live. Say, help me to pause. Help me to slow down. Say, I want to trust you better. Would you help me? In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate one another. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.